Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We are currently on a wonderful series, and we're on part four of it, um, but we have a lot more to cover. We're completing the first division of our Overcomer Theology series, and we're overcoming sin. And um, I tell you, the Lord is is truly in the in the cleansing business. Amen. So we're going to pray, get right into the lesson. I'm going to pick up. I'm not going to review all the way back to the first lesson, but I am going to review the the um, the uh, connotation of how we live up to sin, and then go on. Let's pray. Ask the Holy Spirit's involvement in this, and if you have a notebook available, um, that, uh, I always tell people this: get your notebook um, that is completely um, have your notebook that is completely um, committed to this particular study because if you stick to this particular study, I can say it confidently that you'll get more in this study in a month than you would in a year in a local congregation because of the intensity and the amount of the word that we cover. So especially this year with the um, new formats of teaching, you want to make certain that you get a notebook so that way you can get some answers and also have a reservoir of answers that can only be discovered through the right interpretation of the word of God. Well, let's pray. Let's not belabor the point. We've got a lot to cover. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you for this day. Knowing that this is the day that you have made, we rejoice and are glad. We do thank you for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. It is the authority of your word that gives me confidence to make boldly known the mysteries of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do lean and depend on the Holy Spirit as educator and God to give me clear articulation of speech and deliberation of thought as I make manifold known the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit, I say, have your way. Do what only you can do. Anoint the people's ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. And Father, in everything that shall be accomplished and revealed, you be glorified. For it is in the name of the Lord Jesus that we do praise you and give you glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. It has been our goal and our pursuit to know God more intimately so that we can serve him more faithfully. And in that, we have awakened core values that establish our convictions and advantages that we have as a result of establishing our our life on God's word as final authority. And in doing that, we've answered systematically the value of having theology, which is, which is a system that uh, builds itself around the thoughts of God. And when we, um, um, it, with an emphasis on the need to overcome in this life. So we said that overcomer theology is a discipline involving the reflection on faith and beliefs in light of the Christian advantage and its importance to us having established our convictions 
commitments and our character around those distinct reflections on the advantages that we have because we overcome in Christ. And in overcoming in Christ, we know that three areas really indicate that we have overcome. We overcome um, sin, we overcome the world, and we overcome faith. And that's where we're expanding our outline upon. Um, Theology starts, this theology in particular as overcomers theology starts with the premise that we have abandoned uh, the, the world completely. And beyond that, we have an advantage because of our initial and right standing with God and beliefs that seek to advance from those initial awarenesses. We also said that this theology stresses that Christ uh, that Christ has become the central and vital means for us to have confidence in our outlook to overcome and pursue the rights that we have in our awareness to God. So, so when I say this, because you can build a theology based on anything. Uh, you can build a, 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 a theology that you are sinner saved by grace. And, yeah, you are sinner, and you have been saved by grace, but that might not include the awareness of the advantage that you have because of you being in Christ. And so that's why you'll hear some people say that there are certain theologies that indicate you can learn facets of God through various things you focus on. And so we're focusing on the overcoming dynamic, that if if God, if God sent Jesus to overcome the world, and he did overcome the world, my Savior was finished on the cross, and he raised, and he's at the right hand of, of, the, of his majesty on high, then we have a certain benefit, and we have a certain advantage that makes us distinctively different from the world. And today we live in a society that we don't, that, the, that even the church is being blindsided by uh, being inclusive and not exclusive and distinctively different from the world. As a matter of fact, and it starts with this subject of sin. It starts with the subject of sin because if I cannot overcome sin, then I can't, I can't tell a person a sinner that they can't be saved confidently. You know what I'm saying? Because I do the same thing that they do. I go out like they go out. I want to dance like they dance. I want to smoke and do things that are detrimental to the body like they want to do. And because the designer is there to do it, and I'm not aware of who I really am and what I can really achieve in Christ, then, then, then me telling them that they are a sinner and they are in need of a Savior is judging them. You see how that, and then that distortion of judgment prevents me from having confidence to call, to, for them to, uh, to, to give a clarion call for them to call upon the name of the Lord. And so what's happening in the world today is that the, the church is being stifled by an by inferiority complex that should not be. If we've overcome the world, glory to God. I got you, Lord. I got you. If we overcome the world, it's, yeah, uh, okay. If we overcome the world, glory to God. If we overcome the world and we have overcome the world, we have overcome, I, I know I'm repeating myself, I'm trying to keep myself from, from being calm, but if uh, I'm going, you know, a little happy. If we've overcome the world, glory to God, then, and we've, and we've ex- and received access into God, we can then experience, hallelujah, 
we can experience a higher quality of life which he's allotted to us in Christ. In Christ. Now, um, we've been dealing with, glory to God, overcoming. And overcoming is a spiritual conquest to recover all forms of the original nature and intent of God's original plan. See, God's plan was for man to have perpetual fellowship with him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. To have an eternal pursuit to his ways. And overcoming was embedded in Christ. And this is this is the part that uh we don't really we don't really um embrace as believers. We don't embrace this factor of being embedded in Christ. And, and, and it is embedded in Christ, which translates our spiritual state of life. And this is what happens. If the Spirit does not give us superiority to the manner of life in which we exist in, see, to live is Christ, then this, this whole overcoming thing is just an ideology. And then we're, we're seeing like the people in the 50s, we shall overcome, we shall overcome someday. Deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. And we make it sound good, but really we have overcome if we're in Christ. And nobody has written that song yet. <laughs> but 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 that that is the state of the revelation that we are in as a church. We we have lost this 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 insight. So in discovering that we overcome, we noted that sin is the starting point of the rea- of this reality of change. Why? Because sin separates us from God. Sin is subject to the choices that we make in life. Sin is centralized as a perverted reality, and sin seeks the secular approval, approval and affirmation. And sin succeeds to difficulties versus succeeding to submission to the Spirit of God. So it teaches us to join the in crowd. These these things keep us alienated from the life of God. Now let's read from Scripture. Let's go um, over. I want to go to Ephesians chapter 2. That is, is talking about the commonwealth of the saints and Christians. All right. Now, well, yeah, let's read all seven. Let's read all seven. And it says, And you, happy, quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein times past ye walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now worketh in the children of disobedience, in whom we also have had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who was rich in his mercy for his his great love, wherein he hath loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. Now listen to this. If 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 you being in Christ translates you 
translate shoes. Because listen, look, look, look at this. It says, "Hallelujah." Even when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. If by grace ye are saved, you who were who were dead in sins are quickened in Christ. Do you know what I'm saying? The quicken means made alive. The word quicken means there, it means made alive, brought to life. Or if you have a good Bible, you can look on the, um, a good Bible has a um, medium section, and, and in verse 5, it will point you to Romans 5 and 6. Okay? Which means to be made alive, for by grace you are saved, and, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And we got to embrace this overcomer's mentality. Amen? And, and that's what I'm saying in this particular thing, that we got to accept what Christ has done. And we got to receive the revelation. Of course, the, uh, when we say we are overcoming sin, we're saying that we have, that this theology that we have of overcoming uh, shows that sin is the reason why redemption was created. It reveals that Christ is the cure all for sin. And that it also reveals that the believer will sin in the flesh. Yet, it will not be imputed because Christ became sin for them. All right? And we talked heavily about that in the other weeks. But now I want to get to the the antidote, what advances us from the nature of sin. Now, before I jump heavily into this, uh, that portion and answer that question, the Lord brought to my attention for part four of this to, to, to discuss what Sin does. Uh, uh, what what sin does as far as in its effect of the law? Because you'll see in the New Testament that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. And it's almost as if sin is a legal term. Why is sin used in the connotation of the law? And that's what I want to answer that question because in further teaching, especially when I talk about overcoming the world, um. When I talk about overcoming the world, I will really, um, I will really give a a premise basically off of this understanding, because that's when we get into really a legal class, a legal class for this this teaching. Now, what does sin have to do with the law? Here's a good definition of the law. And I want you to understand this, and I'm going to take my time a little bit on this. And I guess we can go to Romans Romans 6. You can park in Romans 6 because we're going to go there. This, the, the Spirit of God directed me to go there. And you know how, as ministers, I have enough information here that we, we wouldn't even be able to finish in this teaching. But um, 
the Lord kind of gives you some insights on how to bring about certain points. And, and so he's, he's, he's um, bringing some insight into some some areas, amen. Now, you know, nobody, the law, let, let's, let's go to our notes now. And here's the definition of the law. The law in reference of the scripture is a lifestyle that shapes standards and practices of a body of people. And through those orders, they govern themselves to keep it themselves in good standing with that society. Okay? So it's a standard, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a lifestyle that shapes the standards and practices. And I want you to hear the word lifestyle. Lifestyle. A modern word for it is culture. Okay? I don't want you to think of it as just a book, a book of codes or, or, or a book of rules. Because it's not just rules, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, how you shape your life. See, in in, in modern times, law is a, a document of codes of rules and ethics and morals that should be mutually accepted, okay? But in, in Old Testament times, it was a little different. It, it, it had the connotation of orders that it contained, not only orders when I say rules, but it, it, it came with a matter of conduct, commitments, and convictions that shaped, the, shaped the, the standard or the class of that day. Because if, if you didn't uphold the law, it was easily to identify you as a lawbreaker. Today, you can break all types of laws and people think you're a law-abiding citizen because it's, it's not, the law is really not known and laws are really not known and they'll always be improved upon and changed depending on where you're at, all right? But here there was one set of laws, uh, the Ten Commandments, to govern the people as far as a lifestyle, and it was all moral and ethic. Okay, now let's go to Exodus. <laughs> uh, you know, when uh, just, to, just to show you, uh, let's go to Exodus 20. Now, this ain't in my notes, you know, but I want you to know. You need to know these things because the law is very important to understanding the role that Jesus achieved in the flesh to become uh, uh, the redeemer of mankind, all right? Now, and, and, of course, Exodus is a great book to let you know how order just came into the life of the world (laughs) because before that, Write this down. There are three types of orders in the scripture, okay, which shape laws. One was the old world order, which God abolished. And we see that with Noah when God flooded it. God flooded the old world system. So much corruption took place. People were making all types of choices, but there was no really systems other than obeying God. Ultimately, they chose not to obey God, so that became the old world system. But then there's also the Mosaic Law, the Mosaic Law. Now, I could insert two other laws in there. You could, you could, uh, two other orders. Um, of course, you know, in the um, canonization of the scriptures, you see two different periods of the, uh, where we can devote um, 
Mosaic laws is found from Genesis to Deuteronomy. But in Joshua to uh, to Ezra, well, even Nehemiah, I guess. Well, I guess I was just, for the sake, I'd say from Joshua to Ezra, there's a whole other type of law. Um, you see, um, some people call it the David, um, um, if you, and law is also, I'll write this down in the notes, the law is also a connotation of covenant, okay? It's a concept of the covenant. It's a preserver. The covenant is shaped around the law um, that it upholds. But laws shape the lifestyle and the standards and practices. So ultimately, the covenant is not law. The covenant is what ensures that the law has full effect, okay? It's the protector of, of whatever the code is, all right? Now, ooh, glory to God. If you know what Jesus did, it, it, it will bless you in the process. But here, um, in the 20th chapter of Exodus, because I told you to go to Exodus, God gives Moses the law. Let me say that correct. God gives Moses specific instructions. Oh, and he spake all these things, uh, all these words, saying, "I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make any graven images unto um, me, and any likeness of anything that is." And it goes into the commandments of God. Now, these are the commandments relating to God. This is the lifestyle. This is the original lifestyle, and it goes back into. The purpose, that's it. I don't want to get too deep in this. Now, therefore, you will obey my voice in the D, verse 19, 19, verse 5. If you will obey my voice in D, keep my covenant that ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. And the holy nation, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered and gathered and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. So here we see what this is. This is a lifestyle. It was a lifestyle devoted to people, okay, devoted to God um, for the sake of the people. That's why he called the elders of society, the, the chief of the families, would come together and hear the reading of the law, and God revealed the law to them as the, the moral and ethics or the standards and practices of a body of people. Now, and what I was saying before was that in in this after this period in the time of um in the time of I know we're not in Bible school but this is like a Bible school class anyway in the time of Genesis or in the time after Deuteronomy Joshua to uh, to Esther you see also there's a time a period where David um uh, is given credit although he didn't make any laws he resurrected the value of keeping the covenant with God. Because they they went through a period of kingdoms 
where they were really um, shaped and moved and driven by how they valued this 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 preservance of the law. Okay, yeah, and that's the same thing that we go through today. Now, why do I say that? Because in 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 that certainly we have not only the old world order, mosaic order or law, but we also have a new covenant order or law. Okay, and that law shapes its lifestyle, which is our standards and practices as a body to Christ. And what what happens is the law, in in the law's purpose and objective, it's, it's, it's one thing, to shape the manner of lives of the people that it governs. So if, if that be the case, sin cannot be infused in the lifestyle that Christ is allotted to set you free from sin. And we have to overcome it because of who shapes and governs our practices and our lifestyle. So this is why in the scripture in the New Testament from Romans from really from yeah from Romans on to Revelation, you hear a lot about redemptive laws that take effect because of Christ. All right? Now in Second Corinthians five twenty one, Christ became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Also in Romans four 25, it says this. It says that he he delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. And then in Romans chapter 6, where I want you to go to, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we live? How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Right? Now, why why is that? Because we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So the law is a schoolmaster, and because no one has satisfied the law prior to Christ, it produced death. And that's why sin, the wages of sin, is death. And the the alternative to it is the gift of God is life and peace in Christ. All right? And and the Lord told me to point that out because when when you when you're looking at at what takes place in Christ Jesus, glory to God, and what takes place in Christ, you want to make certain that uh, uh, you know when they talk about the law, they're not inserting a legal term to throw you off or anything, but that that Christ legally justified us, legally restored us, legally became sin so that we could have a right, a right, or a clear access to overcome this, this um, the advantages of this world. Amen. Now, um, let's get into what the antidote for um, what advances us from the nature of sin. Uh, we got into the the life. What does what does sin have to do with the law? Sin was a result of the law being in effect as a result of Christ not being in place. But when Christ came in place, and no one was able to satisfy what the law required prior to Christ, and as a result came death. The consequences of sin was death, right? And the sin, the sin 
of the world was upon the law because they had committed themselves to carry out the law and refused to. And the consequences for breaking covenant with God is death. Now, that helps answer, I hope that helps answer some things. And so what will be the cure-all? Christ. And what was Christ's order and way of getting us to, um, to gain access that we might become the righteousness of God in him? He obeyed. He obeyed. He obeyed into death on the cross. And obedience becomes what advances us from the nature of sin. It is simply our obedience. Obedience unto righteousness, obedience from the heart, and obedience to the doctrine of Christ. Why? Because Christ is in us, the hope of glory, and Christ is the head of our lives. Now let's go to Romans 6.16. I told you we were going to be in Romans, and I'm going to get back to our lesson. Amen. You know, sometimes, you know, when you're teaching something systematically, you don't want to stumble, but the Holy Spirit starts flooding your mind, and you go to say something, and it just kind of, whoo, it overwhelms you that you, you're impressed by the same word that, you was, that you're giving out. But in the 16th verse of the 6th chapter of Romans, it says, Know ye not that whom ye yield your servants to obey, his servants ye, ye are to whom ye obey? whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you, being, made, being then made free from sin, ye become servants of righteousness. And I speak after the manner of um, speak after the manner of men of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even now yield your members to servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? End of those things is death. Amen. But now being made free from sin, you become servants of, of God, uh, servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, listen to this. I said in the last lesson that the, the word impute is a powerful word. Theology reveals that the believer will sin while they have the flesh, but they will not be imputed because of Christ. And that when you sin, Christ, God sees Christ, because God is an all-holy God that cannot look on sin. So if you sin as a believer, God don't even see it. He sees Christ. Because Christ became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness in God in Christ Jesus. I mentioned how that Impute means to be a representation of the wrong because being verified as the cause giving value for judgment. It's a judgment clause. And so the judgment clause for our sin as Christians was Christ's obedience. And the obedience that Christ had is what we should reflect when we accept Christ as the standard of a standard for the freedom of sin. 
Now, freedom of sin is possible because the word says it's possible. Obedience to the doctrine, and, and, and it gives us three things, obedience to the righteousness from the heart and the doctrine of Christ. And so that's what we're going we're, we're to deal with. What is this? We're going to start with obedience to the doctrine of Christ. We're going to work our way back. Obedience to the doctrine of Christ. This is the compliance to the instructions on existing in Christian character, conduct, and conviction. Glory to God. Taught by the Lord Jesus. Simply, I love what he loves. I hate what he hates. I live like he lives. Hebrews 6 gives us insights on the exact aspects of this doctrine and its effect. The awakening of the advantage of our great salvations. The advice given to mature us through the advancement of the word. And also, um, it awakens an inward uh, compassion beyond the norm. Obedience, and I want you to understand is the compliance with authorized orders adaptable to human behavior. It yields one's personality to explicit instruction and orders from the authority figure. Things that we must obey, things we must know about obedience um, when it comes to Christ. One, obedience is void of opinion and options. It is, um, and, it, and, it, and it voids out the voice of your opinion. Secondly, Obedience is a resolve to do what you know you've been asked to do through the orders you've been given. And then obedience, thirdly, requires an understanding versus an assumption. An understanding of what? The orders. And this is what's happening to many Christians. Many Christians are failing in life and in the things of God because they fail to know the order of God. God does everything in decency and in order. And that word order is actually law. That's what that word means, law. God does everything according to principles that he establishes lifestyle for us to have as standards and practice. There are three hindrances to uh, 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 obedience. Three hindrances. Number one, opinionated assumptions. Opinionated assumptions. Number two, openness to unauthorized authority. And number three, operating in poor communication. Operating in poor communication. Amen? Amen. Now, not only do we have obedience to the doctrine of Christ, and the, the doctrine of Christ simply reveals obedience to God. I do. I love what he loves. I hate what he hates. I live like he lives. Now, it awakens us to, uh, awaken us to an inward confidence um, comprehension beyond the things of the norm. It advances us when we really obey um, the doctrine of Christ. It advances us in the scripture. It adapts us to the Holy Spirit, and it assists us in connecting to God's divine plans and nature. Now, number two, obedience unto righteousness is the discovery of the right pathway God allotted for the believers to govern their lives by faith. Romans one seventeen and Romans twelve twenty eight. The path of the righteous is life. First John two twenty nine. Everyone that does righteousness is born of him. Hebrews five thirteen through fourteen. First Second Thessalonians three um, through ten are the theology of righteousness. 
First Corinthians one thirty says we are made the righteousness of God through Christ. Second Timothy three sixteen says that we must be trained in righteousness. So righteousness um glory to God. Righteousness commands us to find out what God thinks is wrong and what he thinks is right. Righteousness challenges the flesh to deny unfounded authorities to act without God's approval. And righteousness changes the way we choose to live, obedience from the heart. So obedience then becomes the last one from the heart. Now, Christ is set in life to establish us in obedience. One, to advance us to, to the knowledge of Christ through the power of the revelation of his word. He reveals the truth from the Holy Spirit, relates the orders to comply through the scriptures, and releases understanding through divine knowledge. He alerts us to what is expected of us as we adhere to the scripture. So you are expected to reflect Christ. You are expected to respond to his word. And you are expected to assist in in the regeneration of others. And that's also very important to know as well. Amen. Now, um, I would say more, but I'm out of time. I will highlight this, this last portion of obedience from the heart in the next lesson as we open the new division of overcoming the world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word because we know that your word has the potential to expand us into your very image and into your very nature. But we have confidence in being what you have called us to be, children of light, called out of darkness and placed into your, the kingdom of your dear son. Help us serve you and know you more intimately so that we can serve you more faithfully. And for that and that alone, we praise you. We praise your holy name. We praise you because not only do you just uh, work um, for us or work with us, but you work in us. And you adapt us and and create us and fold us and, and, and produce in us new laws. Established upon better promises that we might be partakers as of 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 this of this glorious gospel. Help us in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. To do what you have called us to do. Help us overcome the world. Help us overcome in faith. And help us, Father, to overcome sin. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I do praise you and give you praise. Amen. Now, more on the next lesson. Overcoming sin was awesome. Hope I give a lot of information. If you have any questions, you can always email me or write me or Facebook me or Twitter me or uh, even uh, Instagram me. Questions about overcoming sin, and next week we're going to go into overcoming the world, part five of this great teaching. God bless you, and thank you for listening to the broadcast. God bless you, and have a great day. Bye-bye.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.